Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Welcome back to the Run Not Down post game show. Knicks lose to a game, a game they probably shouldn't have 111 to 107 to the Milwaukee Bucks. Knicks blow a 17 point lead. We've seen this story before. It's very eerily similar to last earlier early this season games as well as last season games where, you know, the Knicks lose on the margins. Certain, you know, adjustments were not made or were made that, you know, led to the downfall of this team. Um, I mean, where where do we really even want to start? I mean Thomas J. Thibodeau. That, like it, it, it starts with Thomas J. Thibodeau, and we can't even call him a number, so I'm just gonna call him his full government <laughs> name. I just at this point, we have like a good three year sample size of this team being able to un, being unable to hold leads late in games, and like it, like the common denominator, they switched out players. It's been with Julius, it's been without Julius, it's been with Brunson, it's been without Brunson, it's been with RJ, without RJ. The common denominator that's what is coaching and the stylistic changes that may, are made when this team starts to win or starts to go up by large leads. This team was up 17 in the third quarter. They were de- annihilating the Bucs. The Bucs couldn't get anything going. And for some reason, Thomas J. Thibodeau decides to put in Evan Fournier with Isaiah Hartenstein on the court. And the Bucks just decide to literally whoever has Evan Fournier guarding them, you shoot the ball. Such so happens that the person shooting the ball was Joe Ingles, who is, despite the fact coming off injury, he is a career 40% three-point shooter on volume. And for some reason, this team decided to just keep him in the game and continue to let Evan Fournier get cooked. And despite the fact that Quentin Grimes was at the scorer's table, ready to check to, in, ready to check in, and Thomas J. Thibodeau had timeouts, he decided to leave Evan Fournier in the game for two more minutes, and the Bucks literally got the lead, and it became a free fall. I do not understand the mindset. I do not understand the reasoning. I understand you're trying to buy some time or rest for your players, but Thomas J. Thibodeau Jr. He's a junior, by the way. Fun fact. Um, I don't understand what that second half of coaching was. And at this point, no lead is safe with this team. We saw them be up 20. We saw them be up 30. We've seen them be up now 17, and this team continues to choke away these leads, and the late-game offense is the same, and I get it. It's the same for every team around the league. I understand that, unless you're the Warriors. But at the same time, man, it's just – it's baffling that this keeps happening, and despite the fact that Tom is a decent coach – he, like, come on, like, 
this, this was this was a coaching loss, and it should not have been a coaching loss because they were up seventeen. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna take a. I mean, I I agree with almost everything you said about Tibbs. Um, I just think that the Bucks are a really good team. I'm gonna give a boring answer. I just think the Bucks are a really good team, and they hit some really difficult shots down the stretch. I know there are bigger issues like at play here, but like Tibbs isn't going anywhere. So I don't know. You can only talk about the Tibbs isms for so long, you know, like to, to me, the biggest mistake came at the end of the third quarter. I don't understand how with RJ Barrett out, you can play Brunson and I, I know that he was matching Randall up against Giannis. I get that. That's a good decision. Randall, did an admirable job on Giannis on the ball. That was an amazing effort by Randall. Um, you take Brunson out early. That's the answer. Like I get he had it going, but they can't just play. They can't play the whole third. And then you say, okay, quickly go out there with Evan Fournier, Isaiah Hardenstein and Deuce McBride. Like I love Deuce, like great fun player, but he's not helping quickly out there. And so you have Brunson and Randall, who are very similar offensive initiators playing almost all their minutes together. That's the definition of diminishing returns. And then you have quickly who I love quickly isn't a bigger quickly fan than the three of us in the world, but he is a big step down leading an offense from Randall or Brunson, a big step down. So going from Brunson and Randall together for 12 minutes to quickly by himself it's just idiotic. It's just, there's no other way around it. That's not like coaching. That's just, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what to call it, but that little sequence lost us the game because look, if you're gonna refuse to stagger, you have to win those minutes and quickly went out with a 17 point lead. And in the final two minutes of the third quarter, the Bucks went on a 13 to two run with Brunson and Randall on the court. No changes were made. Nothing. So the Knicks started the fourth quarter for the second straight game with zero momentum and quickly leading, you know, a group of ragtag offensive players against a really good ragtag team. Yeah. And it was basically just like good luck. And yeah, like, of course, things aren't going to look great when that's the case. Like, to me, that was the stretch that lost in the game. I don't really like, yeah, like the down the stretch stuff is brutal. We had one team running offense. Like, can you imagine if Tibbs coached the Bucs? It would just be Giannis Isos all game, uh, the, the whole end of the game. But no, they were like, okay, we see the defense the Knicks are playing. We're going to run a bunch of bunch of ball movement. And they got a good shot almost until the two that went in, the two drew step backs. But they got good shots like the last six minutes of the game before those two drew step backs. They were like, creating wild. good look after good look after good look. And yeah, Jalen Brunson had a heroic effort, but it was Brunson playing one on five. Again, that's coaching. That's that's not good end of game execution. And I'm sorry, I completely reject the idea that all teams resort to ISOs down the stretch. We just fucking saw a team that didn't do it. That Giannis didn't score a point down the stretch. I don't think. I don't know. Yeah, that he caught that alley oop. I mean, to be fair, it was literally just Drew Holiday wedding. No, that's well. not true at all, man. There was Brooke Lopez with the corner three. There was Joe Ingles with the corner three. There was Ingles put a dunk on a platter for Giannis. Grayson Allen hit two threes. I think all five of their guys on the court scored in the last six minutes of the game. Did, did two guys on the Knicks take a shot? No, it was Brunson. Oh, maybe Mitch took that end of shot clock heave, but quickly and Grimes didn't take a single shot. They didn't even touch the ball. 
It's Brunson playing hero ball. And that's not on Jalen Brunson because we saw Alec Burks play hero ball last year. And we saw Julius Randle play hero ball two years ago. It's the game plan of the of, of the coach to have the point guard just do heavy isolation at the end of the games. Either that or just like do like a pick and roll with a mid post up for Julius Randle. Like that's that's what the game plan is in the fourth quarter. I mean, I'm telling you this now. Every NBA team knows this like. Like it is it's just it is what it is. Um, and, and, and it's and it's not just I, I, I you're right. But I, I, it hit me tonight. It's not just fourth quarters. It's any time we get a big lead, Tibbs is terrified of the downside. He plays not to lose. He's the fucking Tony Dungy of NBA head coaches. That guy is terrified of any mistakes to happen. And we were going Brunson running the shot clock down like in the third quarter. So, I mean, you know, I just said that I didn't want to yell about Tibbs and I yelled about Tibbs for five minutes. I it's mean, inevitable. It's inevitable. <laughs> it's inevitable with the way. It's a really good team and we were up 17 on them. Like there's good things to take away from this. We're there's somewhere in here is a really good collection of talent. We just, they just have to put it's it. Being together. mismanaged. It's being mismanaged. It's, like, it's not even somewhere in there. It's clearly out in the open. Like, this team's a very good team. The problem is like, they just are not being maximized and the fact that they're not being maximized and they're still arguably a top 10 team in the association is a credit to the team that this front office has been able to build, but their insistence on Tibbs being the guy to lead them into whatever they want to see forth is not helping this team at all. And it's just, it, it's, it's maddening to watch is like the best way I can put it. It's just maddening. Like Isaiah Hardenstein was a big whiff. But he won't bench him. Uh, I, I mean, with Hartenstein, man, I just got to say this, man. Like, how can you, like, see what Sims produces and, like, you're barely going to play Obi anyways and just, like, completely abandon Sims whatsoever? Like, like Sims would be, would have been great to dispel Mitchell Robinson in situations where, like, because there were situations where Mitch was just, like, he he had to switch, but like he was so late and getting out on Ingles. Like, luckily Ingles missed those threes, but like that situations where like Sims could be in, and Sims does a great job switching on the perimeter versus guys. So it's like you're seeing things on the court where like the coach can make a change, and he's just not doing it. It's something that's so obvious. It's something that's that that we've seen work before. So it's just like it's insane that the coach is not going to it right now, and especially against a team like the Bucks. Like they, Giannis is the only player they played tonight who doesn't shoot threes. The only one. And so, look, if we're if we were protecting the defensive glass, sure, I would get it. But we're getting killed in the Hardenstein minutes on the offensive glass, anyways. Just match up. It's not hard. Like it's not hard to say to to have a little humility and say their best is better than ours. We have to make an adjustment. This whole idea that we're going to make other teams adjust to us every night of the year and just do the same thing is ridiculous. And we, we're just talking about the same fucking shit every year. It's so insane. Like we saw it in the Hawks series. You have to be able to take a punch. The Bucks adjusted and the Knicks just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And it's what lost us the game. It really is because, they, I mean, they – scored 20 more points from the three point or excuse me, 24 more points than us from the three point line tonight, 24. And we only lost by four. 
So like that should tell you, like if you isolate into three point lock, we outplayed them from start to from for 47 minutes. Another really good team that the Knicks just outplayed for, you know, a huge majority of the game. And it just shows how badly we are on the margins as a team. Exactly. That's a great way of putting it at the margins. Yeah. Um, I mean, to you know, shine some light on some positives in this game. Shout out to um course Jalen Brunson putting up career high 44 um shout out to Emmanuel quickly I mean for a good portion of this game he was absolutely rolling offensively like hitting shots just like getting into the paint at will doing whatever he wanted I mean he's really come along offensively I know there was a point where like we were all worried about his hesitancy on offense in terms of taking and like just like generally just taking shots. We weren't even caring if he was making or missing, but just like generally taking shots. He's taking shots. He's making them now. I wish he was able to take some more tonight. Um, that first quarter was absolutely abysmal in terms of um, Julius Randall taking up most of the shots. I mean, what did he go? Like one for 12 in the first quarter with like eight of them being like threes or whatever it was. Like imagine if you just, if you, if you divvy up those shots between like Grimes and IQ, how much more. I mean, yeah, we got to talk about Grimes. Like he just has to get more shots. Yeah. I mean, you can't... this is the thing. This is the thing is that. I mean, I mean, he went one I, for I seven, hate... but I, I would like for him to get more shots. Yeah. I mean, I, I just hate to keep bringing back to Tibbs, but. Grimes isn't he's the fourth ball handler in the uh, the starting lineup whether it's RJ or um quickly. So we have no off ball movement. Any any cut Grimes makes is completely random and improv improvised by him. So we're not running plays to like like his job as a spacer is to space. But it's 2023. Defenses are as smart as they've ever been. You're not just going to – you can't just have Brunson drive and then Grimes' defender is going to go into the paint. They don't do that anymore. I know in Tibbs' defense they do that, as we saw on that wide-open Pat Connaughton three where Fournier dug down in the paint like it was 10 years ago. But nobody defends like that anymore. There's not a single other team who has the weak side defender being that aggressive off the ball. So – what? What is how is Grimes going to get shots? Like because we have to be more creative. We have to get him. We have to find ways to have off ball movement, have screens off the ball, do anything. Because drive and read and react, drive and kick. It's not a viable offensive. Let me correct. I understand the Knicks are top ten in offensive rating, but smart teams will expose that. Like we saw tonight, where basically it took Brunson and quickly getting all their points unassisted for us to stay in this game. They're not going to let you drive and collapse the defense. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, I really don't know. You know, it's just, it's, it, it, it's frustrating. Cause like I was watching, um, I was watching this clip from Nick's fan TV, TV where they had Fred Katz on and he was basically telling talking about how, like the Knicks, they profile like as like, you know, their top 11 in both like offense and defense. They profile as a title contender. But like when you look at all the late end of game stuff, the blowing leads, that's why this team doesn't have a better record than like slightly hovering above 500. It's like a, like the team, 
should the team profiles as a team that should be like six, seven games above 500. But like when you see what happens in these games, whether it be end of game stuff or um, or um, or the blowing leads throughout course throughout the course of a game it's just like this is the reason why they don't they don't they profile as a team that should look like a contender but their record doesn't match that and i mean you see that constantly and it's just so frustrating and annoying at at this point like yeah i mean uh, it's hard to be it's hard to be like rational about this game because it's just it's just another game that feels like it got away like if you put this in the group of games with the bulls and the mavericks games that's three games where i don't know were we 90 percent to win this game in the third quarter 80 percent. i wonder what the live odds were i bet it was i bet 80 percent is pretty reasonable you know the mavericks and bulls games were over 95 percent in that last minute so you know you've Go from 22 to nine, 22 and 19 to 25 and 16. That's a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, you're talking about a jump in the standings right there. Like you're talking right. about being the like I think third in the East. If that's the if that's the record. So like I'd be surprised if it was third just because Cleveland's been good. But, uh 25 and 16, you said, right? Yeah. They'd be, they'd, be, they'd be they'd be tied for fifth with Philly. Oh yeah. Uh they'd be yeah, they'd be no, they'd be above Philly. So it'd be like uh, fifth. Yeah, so they would be um yeah a game behind, a half game behind the Cavaliers. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like I'm being stupid right now. Is 25 and 16, 24 and 15? Is 25 and 16 considered better because it's one one win up, one loss up? Or um, uh, I, th- I think that would be, but I think yeah. um yeah, I, I think <laughs> but like yeah, it just it just sucks to lose these games in succession after last game where you lost these games in succession, like the Portland game, like Lakers game, that stretched down the end of the season where like we went four and 16 and it was because they just kept blowing leads over and over again. It's just, ah, man. And I think, I think the problem, like, I know fans are just generally frustrated, but I think with Knicks fans, there's an underlying sentiment that losses like these are symbolic of a greater issue, you know? And so every time we lose a game like this, lying underneath it is like, oh yeah, we're kind of being held back by this coach. And that's a shitty feeling because Tibbs does a lot of good things for you. He's a floor raising coach. But the Knicks are kind of past the floor raising point. They're not at that point anymore. They needed a culture reset two years ago. That 2019-2020 season was an absolute nightmare, you know. Um, and he did that. That was awesome. He, I, I was thinking about it today. He deserved coach of the year, and anybody who thinks Monty Williams should have gotten it didn't understand what happened that year because that was Tibbs taking a team and doubling their win total with one guy playing out of his mind and just manufacturing a defense out of a bunch of, I'm going to say it again, ragtag, you know, role players. That was a heroic floor-raising performance, and Thibodeau deserved Coach of the Year. But this franchise is past that. They need diversity. They need versatility. They need different things. It can't just be we're going to do things one way and we're going to keep doing that because I know it's the right way. That's not the way for this team. 
they need to be willing to try and take a step back to take two steps forward. I think what the counterpoint might be to that is maybe the idea that all the team isn't good enough to like be more experimental, which I could see the argument for that. Cause you know, like you look at a team, like, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, like, you know, they're going to make the postseason every year. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of like, okay, we could be the third seed or the fourth seed. And I feel like, and they probably still feel like we can win the championship because we still have the best player on the planet. I think with the Knicks, it's a matter of like, to some extent, they need the floor raising capabilities, and because they they don't have the horses to compete with a, a lot of the top teams in the East. Like you don't have a Tatum, you don't have a Giannis, you don't have an Embiid. Um, but at the same time, it's also yeah, you just you kind of need the versatility. You need somebody who's willing to switch it up, especially when things become stagnant. Also, by the way, uh, Vivek says that this is our eighth game where we blew a 15-point lead under tips. Amazing. It might be the third game this season. I'm pretty sure it's the third game this season. It's got to be at least three. We had uh, Atlanta. 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 We were up one in that game, like 27, 29? Yep. Uh, Dallas, were we ever up 15 in that Dallas game? We were. We were boat racing Dallas in that game. Um, yeah, Toronto, they almost blew it. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the Philly game, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, it just – this shouldn't be a trend, but it's a trend because this team just does not have consistent coaching that stretch. Well, the coaching is consistent. It's just – consistently bad like it's okay. just we we've been consistently Very bad. seeing okay. the same yeah. coaching for three years it yeah. down the of these games it's just in year one randall was making the shots and i mean brunson's making them too though i mean what was the i forget which pod i was watching or pod whatever those things are called i mean brunson's brunson's clutch stats this year are insane yeah just it's not enough, and it should be enough, but it's somehow not. I just dude, we gotta. I mean, somebody's gotta coach these guys to box out too. I'm sick. I'm sick of like the like that possession where we got two stops and couldn't get a rebound was a killer. Mitch can't box out all five guys. There's gotta be more responsibility taken. It can't just be Mitch is gonna like they're gonna start exposing that more and more. And that was that was something that really hurt tonight. Oh man. Um, all right, let's get into everybody's favorite part of these shows before we get into some comments because we got quite a few rolling in. Shout out to everyone that's in the stream live. Shout out to everyone that's leaving a comment. Make sure you guys keep, you know, leaving comments, questions, all that good stuff. We will try to get to it as much as we can. Um, all right, time for everyone's favorite part of these shows. The NFL picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets is instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place an NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back to te- back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? 
Um, bet on the Giants to stomp out the Minnesota Vikings on the road. Cinderella time. That's all I'm going to say. You're, you know the vibes. It's 2007 all over again. We turn it back to half the time. Daniel Jones is getting a ring. We're here. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. Let's get to some comments. Chris Bernhard says, Drew turning into Michael Jeffrey Jordan after playing like Clay Anthony early only happens in Adam Silver's NBA. Also, would have been nice if someone other than Drew, JB, and IQ get more than 10 points tonight. Would have been awesome, honestly. Um, them carrying the most, of, the majority of our offense is a problem. Um, you know, there are nights when Grimes is more involved. There are nights where he's not, like tonight. Um, also, it's, again, this is another thing. It's going to be very interesting when RJ Barrett comes back. How does all this get balanced now? Like, especially with IQ. What is IQ role? Is IQ's role back to 21 minutes per game? Like, these are all things that, you know, are going to be interesting. So, like, while Drew, JB, and IQ, you know, the concern of them being the only ones that could score tonight, I think that gets fixed with RJ possibly coming back the next game. Wednesday versus the Pacers, um, it is going to be interesting to see how all these roles get balanced because guys have shown that when they are giving elevated roles, they can perform to those standards that are required of them. So, you know, is Thibs going to push them back into, you know, these hindering roles or, you know, are we going to get what we expect um, or what we don't expect? And, you know, he's actually going to let them, you know, go free. I doubt it. <laughs> Yeah, we. I mean, we know what we're gonna see, but yeah, um, gotta give it, a little inkling of hope. I'm a it just it just sucks because there's so much room for lineup um, diversity. There's just so many different lineups that, like, how many minutes do you guys think um, Brunson, Quickly, Grimes, RJ, Mitch have played together this season? That five zone, probably like zero. The answer is zero. It's exactly zero. Um, oh man, that probably want to be one of our better defensive lineups. Probably. Yeah, you can just toss lineups like that out there all day. Like, and I'm not even, I'm not even gonna be, <laughs> I'm not even gonna be crazy and suggest something like RJ Randall, which another coach as the front court, which any other coach would have tried, or Randall Obi. Even if you play by Tibbs's need for a paint bound center and just include Mitch or Sims as the five. And in every lineup, there are still a dozen lineups that will never see and need to be seen because Grimes, RJ, quickly, these guys can all play across multiple positions. And we're missing out on valuable, first of all, it's suppressing bench players' minutes, not allowing people to play multiple positions. And we're also losing out on building chemistry between guys who just don't get to play together very much. It's just we're really just gonna talk about tips all night. It's just more really bad coaching, man. It's just really bad. Yeah. 
Tyrese, yeah. anything to add before? Yeah, we, we love Tom Thibodeau. We love this Thibodeau. comment is rough. Um, shout out to David Pilo. I hope you have a better day than today. Um, just a horrible day after this Knicks loss. I needed a winning parlay to get out of financial problems and mild starvation, and they choked. I just want to drink a lot. My wife cheated on me today. I hope this is a troll. Um, if not, I'm sorry that the Knicks didn't win. Um, here we are complaining about, you know, the coach when this guy is, like, on the brink of, like, I don't know what. But um, Yasser says, Steve Clifford said himself, everyone late game either runs ISOs with superstars or pick and rolls. It's a pick and roll league. I mean, I beg to differ. Um, I agree. Some teams do it. Like, I saw the Lakers. The Lakers basically just ran clear as for LeBron down the stretch. That's fine. It depends on their personnel. Mm-hmm. But I would bet there's also heavy correlation between the teams that do run ISO or pick and roll heavy stuff and the teams that have, like, legitimate superstars. Um, like, defense-bending superstars. This is what I was saying earlier. Like, Brunson's a great scorer. He's not bending the defense the way legitimate superstars are. Randall is still the only one who does it. Randall is the only one who draws multiple defenders and creates that that defense-bending scramble that Thibodeau is hoping for. But we, you can't just run the offense through Randall. We know there's a ceiling to that, too. So you have to run more... You know, you have to run offense with more movement and more passing and just more of everything it can't be as stagnant as it is and so yeah i respectfully disagree but i appreciate the comment uh, I, I wish i had more, i wish i had more to talk about but it kind of just feels like we're talking about the same point and it's really frustrating that the same point has been the same point for two years man i mean to think if you know if this team just like maintains the 17 point lead you know we're talking about a five game another five game win streak this year the difference a loss can make and the way you lose for me like it's always about like the process like i, I that that's a big thing with me that's always been a big thing with me and the process in which we lose these games is always like it's absolutely awful the process in which we lose these games like to lose a 17 point lead and then to like have all these shots be hit against us like i don't know drew holiday of all people hitting these shots man that's 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 what pissed me off because like drew holiday come playoff time he takes those shots they're gonna be some long bricks some long bricks. Like Drew Holiday, I saw in that Celtics series last year. He wanted to fucking Drew Holiday haters. I'm sick Drew, of he wanted to do yeah. Drew Harden doing this step back, like and he all, step back against the Nets to, to win that series. Yeah, he missed like the, all the fifteen others he took. Like, yeah, he always wanted to be garbage. Like, I mean, I guess being garbage until it matters, like matters for something, but like. God, like getting one up by Drew Holiday got to be the worst feeling. Like, it's like getting shot. It like, felt like it felt like a shotgun blast to the chest, honestly. Like, I like if Giannis drops like forty on your team, you're like, all right, whatever. That's no, what see, that's the thing I was saying. I was like, we didn't even lose to like Giannis domination. Like, we held Giannis in check. Like, so just to play sort of devil's advocate here, mm-hmm. 
Sam, you were just saying how important, like how, how process oriented is the best way to be. And I agree with you. And I think we raised valid Tibbs criticisms, but like, don't you think that we also laid out a pretty solid foundation that we can, we can hang in there with Giannis and like, from a process standpoint, we were a couple of Drew step backs from just beating them. And like, even despite the silly Tibbsisms, there are clearly positives that built the lead. And this isn't like a defensive Tibbs. The fact that we more, blew- so, more so a defense of our talent and how good. Yeah, I know our talent is good, but the fact that we blew the lead, mm-hmm. the fact that we blew the lead, and it was like almost like a direct result of like the coaching decisions that were made. Like you can see it happen in real time. Like I think that's what, like. I'm getting that with process in terms of like the loss. Yeah. I'm just trying to find some sort of silver lining here. You know, like the Bucks played. There's, there's no silver lining. It's a, it's, it's an aluminum lining, <laughs> a very aluminum lining. Fair enough. I got, uh, I did my best, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and these comments, they're not going to help anything either. I mean, they're like filled with all, you know, things just rile us up negatively. Um, but yeah. Um, let's see. Hawkeye 420 says uh, why can't we see why can't we see that ISO ball kills us? Why can't we only see that why can't we why can't wow is I think it's why can't we only see? Why can't only we see? Okay, there we go. Why can't only we see that zero ball movement kills us? I have teacher eyes right now, so eyes are fried um so i can barely read it anyways but um yeah um you know it's just like the coach we know what dibs likes to do in fourth quarters um you can make the argument that most teams do this but like other teams they might have a superstar or two so like that's their leeway of being able to get away with it so yeah i don't know what to say yeah. This feels like last year's streams. <laughs> I know, and that's the problem. Like, it shouldn't feel like last year's streams because the team is a lot better. But oh, like I, why don't they even run like dummy action, like stuff to at least like at least keep them honest? You got Brooke Lopez just waiting down there. Like, like Julius Randle got a two on one, and he legitimately had nowhere to go because Brooke Lopez played played the easiest one on two in the history of the world. I mean, yeah, Randall's got to do better than he did with it. But whatever, I can't even like begrudge Randall because, as far as two on one good ones go, that was like the worst possible one to be in because Brooke Lopez is literally allowed to just camp there. The refs won't call three in the key ever because the refs basically were just like done calling stuff on the box, hoping they'd get back into the game. This is not playing the refs on the game. Yeah, yeah. I'm just there was a there was a point in the game though, like where the Bucks were playing like super. Yeah. physical aggressive ass defense to the like, point fine. where like they had to finally call it once like Drew Holiday, I mean not Drew Holiday, but once Jalen Brunson like flew into the stands like it was insane for like a stretch in like I think it was the third quarter or something but yeah um, so, yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not gonna blame the refs really like, bodying them up the court yeah it was just like what the hell like it was prison ball I mean like and that was after that was after the Bobby Portis wild elbow to like Grimes' face like like, Breen kept making the effort to say, you know, they're letting them play out there. It's like, well, are they, though? Are they? 
Yeah, they were letting one side play, but yeah. I mean, I know we won the free throw, you know, thing, but like, were they really <laughs> letting them play? I don't think so, Breen. Breen tries a little too hard to be, you know, objective. To be captain objective. Yeah, it's like you can be a little homery, man. I you're not on the ESPN broadcast, you're on the next broadcast. He's just so <laughs> he just wants missed free throws all the time. All the he just wants chaos, dude. I feel like Breen goes to every game room for triple overtime. Like, I get it, you're you are the voice of the finals, but dude, it's okay to be like the Knicks should win here. Yeah, you're I, I you're on the Knicks broadcast. You can be a little Knicks homery. You're not on ESPN. Clyde let his homer shots like came out. Like when Drew hit the three, he's like, no. Like <laughs> first of all, that was hilarious. But second of all, like, come on, man. Cl- Clyde's a true fan through and through, even on the yeah, broadcast. He, he had a great, a great call tonight when he was like, like when Hardenstein had some crazy air ball that Julia that led to a Julius putback. And Clyde was just like. You know, Brunson gets in the paint and Hardenstein keeps doing good things and they just showed him air ball the floater. And I was like, yeah, but you keep doing it. There was a stretch where Hardenstein missed like three layups so badly. It's like, my guy, do you not see the square on the glass? Throw it there, please. Back to we, have to we have to reach a point where Obi and Sims are the only bigs off the bench. Seriously, like I know, oh, he's trying to like, slowly roll back Obi into the lineup and shout out to Obi for hitting the three today. Um that was a great cut by Obi where like he caught the ball but like it like fumbled it. Like it was a weird low pass by Mitch. Um but yeah Obi's Obi's cutting was missed during this timeout. Yeah and and it's gonna take a bit for him to get reacclimated to these games. Like it's okay. That steal by him was sick too where he just put his arms oh, up. Yeah. Active. He's always active. He's always active. How he can is. you not love the guy? Um, and remember, like, if he plays 100% of his minutes next to a true big, we're never going to see him operating in ideal circumstances for him. So, like, just let him play with Randall some. Please. Like, it's okay. Hardenstein's not offering the rim protection anyways. Just stagger Brunson, Randall, and RJ and get Obi and Randall some minutes on the court together. It's not hard. It's just... Like the Knicks can pay me like six hundred bucks, and I'll sit down and build a rotation that Tibbs will approve of, and we'll get we'll keep Mitch on the court for you know thirty two minutes, and we'll get Sims out there for ten, and let's just get Obi and Randall six minutes a night together. Six. Let's get Obi's minutes up to twenty, and let's let him do something. Like let's just try, or just trade him, or just get him out of here, man. Like it's just we're just wasting time. He he did not use the glass on three of those putbacks. He just threw it up at the hoop. I'm talking about Hartenstein now. I'm just I, I watched it again because it was on the, the home timeline, and now I'm upset. He just decided to not use the glass for whatever reason. I mean, he's just he's just it's so brutal because like whatever, like fuck that. Let me re- let me retract that. Like, it's, like, half brutal to him. Because, yeah, we're not using him well. But he's not, like, I don't know. He's, he's not, not giving us, like, anything to really go off of anymore. Like, exactly, absolutely not, pathetic, it, except for, like, when he's doing that little stupid floater. Like, other than that, he's giving us nothing, literally. Right. And it's not like Tibbs is sending him out there with a blindfold on. 
Like he's still a basketball player being asked. To play yeah, basketball. it's not like he's like a child that like needs to have his hand held. It's like, dude, you're a professional basketball player. Adjust. It's like forty games already. Adjust. Adjust. Yes, figure figure it out. And like, shoot, man. Like, even if Jul- if Julius can go one for twelve and a quarter and not kill you because he's adjusted and figured out ways to help his team, Isaiah Hardenstein has to be able to like box out. Like that should be his adjustment. Adjustment, okay. Like I'm not passing from the top of the key. He's like no, reverse like, Ennis Cancer on the boards. He really, wow, that's that's so good. He really is reverse Ennis, Ennis Cancer. Yeah, because or he's Ennis, like Ennis Cancer. Actually, Ennis World Peace, but you know, well, it's like. But yeah, he's like, it's is it Ennis World Peace now? No, it's Ennis Freedom, right? Whoops. <laughs> But yeah, he's like Ennis on defense, but like he's reverse Ennis on the glass. It's insane. Uh, he's, he, he just stinks. That's what he, that's what it is. Like I just. Oh my god! I can't believe how funny Ennis Cantor without the rebounding on defense is. That's like the worst player ever. God damn it! <laughs> so you're saying that Isaiah Hardstein is going to be at MAGA events in like three years when he's out of the league? I could see it. He has the look. It's going to be even more annoying because another team will sign him and just use him correctly. And it's just going to be a cycle like that. Some other team is going to play him 15 minutes a night and use him as a hub against bench units and figure it out. But because we only do one thing, we only want run one offense. It's he's a pick and roll big at being asked to dive, which he's like, he's not good at. And it's like, now he doesn't have to be this bad at putting the ball in the hoop when he's only shooting inside five feet. But and oh my god, his three point attempt was awful. Like what the hell was that? The, the days of pretending he's a spacer, pathetic. Yo, I said this before the year. I was like, yo, I do not believe in him like being like <laughs> a spacer. And like Tyrese was like, he's gonna take a whole bunch of threes. But I was like, is he gonna be making them shits? Like I I I got fooled. <laughs> I got fooled. <laughs> I told I, you, Tyrese. I was like, "Yo, is he going to be making them?" Like you say, he's going to take like over. Like I think you you said like the over under was going to be like what? Like you you said at like what sixty or like ninety or something like that. Three. I mean, the the over is going to hit. He's going to take the three. He ain't going to make them. Like, <laughs> the over go hit. I get paid. Well, my <laughs> god, this guy is just like throwing like moonshots out there. Like, my uh, like right now he's taking thirty two. You know what? Okay, probably won't hit. But let's see, if we had a couple blowouts, it might hit. But like, dude, no, he's gonna be out of the rotation. He better be out of. He can't keep playing this way. He can't keep getting away with this. Like, this is this is un unreal to watch. Oh my god, it was just like the single stretch that lost us the game. It's just crazy. Oh man! All right, Yasser says, don't check the Knicks' remaining strength of schedule. They're fourth. Don't awesome. care. I don't care about strength schedule. Yeah, because I mean, with strength of schedule, it like takes into account the teams like as they are right now, like what their record is now. I think right, but like that can always change due to like players coming back from injuries or what so. So you know, I mean, there there are two ways to look at it too. Because like, I mean, if we're being honest, the Knicks have had an abundance of opponent injury luck. Yes. Uh, they, they've gotten unlucky or a bit unlucky considering Obi, RJ, and Brunson have all missed time. Um, but at the same time, I mean, 
if we went through it right now, the Knicks have 22 wins. How many like good wins do we have against full strength teams? You know, um, I'm not. I'm this, this isn't me being a hater. I'm just trying to be like rational or objective about it. So when you know Yasser says that about the strength schedule, that's kind of scary because it's like okay, now we still play Boston a few times. We play, still play Miami. We still play Brooklyn. There's a bunch of good teams in the East that we still have to play a number of times. Um. Man, but if we could just get one win versus Brooklyn, I'd take that. Yeah, right? Like that's and, and it's not just good teams. Those three teams, Brooklyn, Miami, and Boston, play us really tough. So like, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. But like nothing about how the Knicks have accumulated their net rating feels fraudulent. Like it does, it feels like to quote Sam, it feels like the process has mostly been good until endgame execution comes into play. Uh, I think the Knicks have a talented team, especially when healthy. Um, I think they have a really impressive top six. Like, if you say, if you basically count quickly as the sixth starter, um, and it, it seems like Tibbs is willing to do that. Like, the other day, Tibbs had a quote that said, he said, I don't know what position quickly plays. I don't know if he's a point guard or shooting guard. I just know he's a really good player. If Tudor's not just talking out of his ass and he actually views quickly that way and he's going to get 25 minutes a night going forward, we have a, a really impressive top six. Um, and when we're healthy, I think even despite that strength of schedule, we'll be able to hang in there. And I, I tonight didn't dissuade me from that at all. Yeah, I don't think this team is going to get blown out by anything. It's just a matter of, like, can they do the thing to get them over the hump and – I think they need another piece. They're going to need one more piece at some point because you can't keep running on a nine-man rotation just due to, like, fatigue and injuries and such. They're going to need, like, another piece, preferably be a wing. But, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. So if the if the Knicks run starting lineup quickly, Deuce, Obi, and Hardenstein, but hopefully Sims, um... You don't think they can manufacture a rotation that, like, you know, keeps everybody's minutes in, like, the mid-20s to – or at least the important guys, the mid-20s to mid-30s? Like, I feel like they should be able to get out of there with Brunson and Randall, you know, staying in the low 30s with that rotation. I think they're going to need – like, if I think they're going to need one more, like, just bench wing dude who can, like, shoot threes and create a little bit. Like, they need Alec Burks, but – <laughs> they can't get out like Brooks, which is the problem. We can get him. No, they can't. They can't trade for him in the season at least. Okay. Oh, like like they literally can, or you just you think it would like look bad? No, they literally can't do it. CBA. Oh, okay, cool. Which sucks. But they, like they they kind of just need somebody who could like assume wing minutes on the bench and also be able to do a little bit of shooting. But I mean, I, I guess I just would I would like to think that a competent coach could dream up a rotation where RJ is the starting three and Grimes is the backup three. You know, like it's it's really not that hard to stagger minutes. Mm. All right. So we have uh, here on Twitter from Chris Persianen. He asked about Tom Thibodeau's, um, I guess, game plan. Um they asked, "What was there anything?" Well, he tweeted out this video, and they asked, "Was there anything you thought about changing schematically there um, about the three-point barrage from Milwaukee in the second half?" He said, "No." 
don't know. I mean, I'm I'm looking at that video right now. Fournier with two feet in the paint as he has his back to the basket and Pat Connaughton wide open in the corner. So that seems like something we're talking about, but. You know what? Like it's it's arrogant of me to assume that Tibbs wants him to do that. I mean, we see the weak side defender dropping the paint all the time, but maybe they're all just improvising and full shit, and you know, maybe they're not doing it under their coach's instruction. And if they are, then it's on the players, obviously. But definitely doesn't seem that way. I'm just sad. Really, it really is just a bummer. I'm just sad. Like, it's just frustrating to go through this. And you know it's going to happen again this season. Like, the fact that you can't just be like, oh, you know, this is a once in a blue moon thing. Like, no, this is going to happen again. Because we've seen it too many times. This might happen next game. Like, this literally might happen next game. We might boat race the Pacers, and then the Pacers are going to hit some threes and come back late, and then we're going to be in a dogfight either way. I guess the – I don't know. Look at me, Captain Optimistic, but – I mean, if you're a good team and you build a lot of leads, you're going to blow some of them. That's just what had That's the nature of building leads. True, but, like, this team blows them at an abnormal rate, which makes it even worse. Yeah. Blows them like an adult film star. All right. <laughs> this is supposed to be a PG show. <laughs> I said adult film star. Menno F says games like this, like these worry me about the playoffs. If we refuse to adjust that all down the stretch, opposing teams and coaches are going to eat us live. I mean, look, look at what Nate McMillan was able to do. Oh, you go. I was just doing the Jim Mora thing. Playoffs, you know. Like, oh. <laughs> you, yeah, you go. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, seriously. But like, like, look at what Nate McMillan was able to do versus us. Mm-hmm. Like, simple as that. And, and Nate McMillan is a coach, and Nate McMillan is a coach that like is infamously known as a coach that doesn't make adjustments, and he was able to just kill the Knicks. Okay, Sam, I have to call you out here for a second here. Are, is that Jim Mora playoff thing? Is that just before your time? Do you not know what I'm talking about? I, I do know what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> like I was, I, like, I, was like, I, like, I know you're, I know you're young, but shoot, man. No, uh, I, I definitely know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I agree 100 percent with what you're saying. Um, you have to be able to take a punch in the playoffs. Next show, they, they weren't able to. Yep. I mean, like, when you look at that playoff series, it's absolutely insane. So, like, he goes from, like, starting Alfred Payton, like, the first two games. Ah, we got to talk about it again. <laughs> so, oh. like, then, 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 then starting Derek Rose and Taj Gibson. It's just... You're uh, and we see this all the time with Tibbs because it, it is a structural foundation of what is wrong with his style of coaching. How can someone go from a starter to just being leapfrogged to being out of the rotation? How can that work? It, there has to be like a progress to this, right? Like, and we, we see it with let's say Obi is the backup four and Jericho Sims is the third center, Mitch gets hurt. All of a sudden, Jericho Sims is just playing more minutes than Obi because everything is a pigeonholed role to him. There's no thought of, okay, well, I'm playing Obi because he's better than Jericho Sims. We have an injury. Let's just play the better player more and adjust our our structure a little bit. No, no, no. It's I have these perfectly crafted little roles for each position, and my players have to fill them, and – 
So now Sims is going to go from playing zero minutes a night to playing more minutes than Obi. And like, this isn't Jericho Sims shade, but that does not make any sense at all. And just like, it didn't make any sense that Overpain needed to start. Oh my God. I can't believe we're still talking about this. It's so insane. It's so stupid. It's just, it's so bad. I'm just like still like laughing at the fact that like he just had no game plan for like the Bucks just having a barrage of threes. I was just like, interesting. Well, he had a game plan. It was don't let Giannis beat us. It didn't occur to him that Giannis would just be like, okay, I trust my teammates because that's what great players do. Freaking Michael Jordan, who's the greatest scorer of all time. Some of his biggest moments are trusting his teammates. Actually, you know what? I want to play this clip so that way people can hear this. Giannis or Drew Ingles, it, it seemed like, and specifically in the second half, it felt like every shot they were making was a three. Um, Giannis or Drew would back down in the post, and then you guys would send help either from the weak side corner or the top of the key, and that's where those open threes came from. Was there something you tried adjusting schematically mid-game? No, no. And some of it was uh, you know, some game plan stuff that you know, we have to square away. So we'll take a look at you know the ones that you know, where we did what we were supposed to do, but uh, there was... He sounds like a bumbling drunk. He doesn't even know what he's saying anymore. You know what? I don't know the guy personally, but shout out to Chris for that question. That's awesome. Like, that's the best question I've ever heard in one of those post games. It matched, like, professionalism with actual, actual, like, content about, like, X's and O's of the game. Shout out to that guy, man. That was... That's an excellent question. Now, of course, like these players and coaches are all masters in BS 101. So like he's not going to get a straight answer. But you know what? Like kudos to him for even trying. That you got to apply, apply that pressure. Yeah. That was, That's what these other beat reporters don't do. They just like act stupid shit. Like, I don't know. Yeah. They ask the most stupid questions, these other beat reporters. But yeah, you got to apply that pressure. The other thing, by the way, reminds me of something I was talking about earlier tonight with, with, one of my buddies. Tibbs. Oh, it was because of the Obi thing. Tibbs had one of the dumbest quotes I've ever seen before the game. He was like, I don't know how we're going to get Obi back in the rotation. We're winning. What the hell is he talking about? We're not winning because Sims and Hartenstein are playing together. Like, it's the easiest thing in the world. Like, that's a good problem to have. We're winning in spite of the fact that we have one of the dumbest backup big combinations ever. It's the easiest transition ever. You just put the good player back in. But the way he thinks is like, what's working? If it's if, if it's not broke, don't don't fix it. And that is why Such that a, is why we win two of Tibbs with no idea if Emmanuel quickly could play point guard with with no point guard play. We thought Kemble Walker with zero knees was an upgrade because. He spent all season being like, well, it ain't broke. We're overachieving, so we can't take Alfred Payton out of the lineup, even though every shred of data says that it's an obvious move to make. There's no chance you can tell me that if you put Rose or IQ or Burks in the starting lineup, preferably Rose or IQ, and you give Frank Payton's 15 minutes a game as a wing, that Knicks team isn't better. But he doesn't think that way. He just thinks, well, it's working, so we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna change it. And it's the same thing with this Obi thing. And it's why he is a high floor, low ceiling coach. And it's it's gonna keep handcuffing this team 
until they do something about it. And that's just, it's always going to be there festering underneath. Yep. That's, that's a sad, unfortunate summary of what Tom Thibodeau needs for this franchise. Someone tweeted out today, Alec Burks started over IQ. Elf Payton started over IQ. Why? I quote tweeted and I said, because the coach is incompetent. <laughs> that's what everything comes down to. <laughs> and that's why we've been sitting here for 56 plus minutes upset because the coach lost us this game within a matter of minutes. It is really funny how like perspective can warp how you think about it though because there's i think people would be justified in saying like hey like look where we were three years ago you know tibbs is a big reason that there's a competency night to night the new york knicks have a team that they send out on the court and we as fans can for the most part be like all right yeah like they're gonna put up a good effort and like i know that's a low bar but tibbs did that tibbs did do that and, like, I get that perspective. But at a certain point, you have to move beyond that. You yeah, just, we're past that at this point. We're past that. Like, the talent is way too good. Like, And we're going to be at the end of year three of these rookies, and we're going to have pretty much no idea if quickly can play. I mean, we do now because of an injury. But, like he kind of backed into that, but, but quickly he's going to go back to his, you know, I mean, me and Sam, we both agree. I think Tyrese does too. Quickly he's going to go back to, you know, 18 to 24 minutes a game when RJ comes back. Obi's going to play 15 minutes a night. We're going to have no idea what Obi is three years in. We use a lottery pick on a guy that we have no clue what he is. No idea. Grimes is just going to be a shooter who stands there and makes nice cuts or attacks close out sometimes. We're gonna, he's going to get no initiation reps. He's going to get no – he's he's not going to get any movement shooting whatsoever. He's not going to play any small forward once RJ comes back. It's just that's going to be his role. And it gives you a high floor because it's guaranteed production. It's safe. It is the Jalen Brunson of game plans. It's stabilizing, but there's no ceiling to it. And there's no it's, – it's, it's just – it's going to keep us in cement and in quicksand until something happens. Remember when people were saying we should give Thibs flowers because of the eight game win streak? Ah, good yeah. times, good times, good effing times. Um, like, oh man, I feel like such a jerk, but like he deserves something. He's not a bad coach. Like that's just the thing. Is like he deserves a gasoline bath. <laughs> that's what he does, uh, man. That's so brutal, man. <laughs> Oh man, that's so tough. I think I've just I've been just watching too much shows. Watching too much shows. <laughs> Is there a gasoline bath in Lost? No, but they use a lot of gasoline on on certain things. So, <laughs> but yeah. Um, Do you have any non-tips related comments? Anything? Anything? Just like man, IQ was great tonight. Zero assists for IQ tonight, by the way. We basically turned him into a player. Um, we have Randall was awful in crunch time. <laughs> We have it's just all Brunson and Randall, no ball movement. Yeah. Um, we have JL who says Joe Ingles returning to form against us and MSG was just so predictable. He's only made 12 threes in nine games this season, but today makes five threes become ever because everyone gets their game off in MSG. BN also says quickly should have had more shots than Julius did. Yeah, I agree with that. D- d- but just 
do people always get their shots off at MSG or it feels like it? No, but I'm saying, but do, do, did Joe Ingles shoot a contested three tonight? Um, or do teams just come and play the Knicks and the good ones get a lot of open threes and that helps them get into rhythm. Joe Ingles is a, is in a unique case where Joe Ingles just, sometimes you just get jingled, man. Sometimes you just get jingled. There's a reason why people get jingled. That sounds very. Oh, come on, dude. It does. does They have two different guys, two different white guys who touch the ball above their head and shoot it without bringing it down. And it makes me want to like find a bridge and leap because I, I just, it makes me so mad to watch that they're, they do that. I miss the days of Steve Novak donning a Knicks jersey. (laughs) Um, we We need a white shooter. Where is our white shooter? We had one. Svee's a man of the people. Svee's right there, brother Svee. True. Okay. Svee's half black. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Let's talk about the Indiana game, I guess, since that's the next game on Wednesday. Whoop de do. Um, the sexy. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Indiana's still on their run. I thought it would fade by now, but they're still standing strong. Um, they're 23 and nine, 23 and 18. Um, we played them this year, right? And we beat them. Yeah. Yeah. We won that really close game in Indiana where Wally was like, yeah, Tyrese Halbert. Oh, oh, who? And he was spitting. He was absolutely (laughs) spitting. That's, that's prime for like a Tyrese Halbert and revenge game in MSG. Uh-oh. You know what, Tyre- Tyrese? You get a lot of you get a lot of crap for your Randall agenda, but you should get more love for when you don't like someone. You you got you you know how to spit when when you know when when you don't like somebody. Point guard Slim Jim doesn't move me. <laughs> Slim Jim, wow. Okay, are we playing? Who who gets that game off? Because it's Tyrese Halliburton. He's getting revenge for Wally Zerbiak saying. Whatever he said. Okay, the start of the team doesn't count. We're talking about the we're talking about the scrubs. It's clearly oh. Buddy. It's gonna be either Buddy, Ben, or Miles. I'm thinking Naismith. I feel like Naismith. Naismith already ha- got his game off versus us. Yeah, but I feel like he might do it again. No, we got to pick someone new. Fine, O'Shea. So O'Shea versus go hit like three threes against us. Wow. What will, we, what will we do? So let's let's just say RJ is back. It'll be Grimes on Halliburton, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then Brunson and RJ, who gets Nemhard and who gets uh, Buddy? Uh, I would assume... I think I think RJ gets Nemhard. Okay. Then I, I, think Grimes, I think Grimes gets Buddy. Whoa. I think Grimes gets Buddy. I think Grimes gets Halliburton just because that was the game plan last time. Yeah. Why would, Grimes has been oh. taking... Oh, yeah. I'm just taking the opposing best player every single time. I know, but I'm thinking about like the idea of like a movement shooter kind of just like torching us. I don't know. We'll see. I think they just want Grimes at the point of attack just to stop any actions that Halliburton's going to yeah. initiate. Okay. Fair, 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 fair. If yeah. Brunson's on body, it'll be it'll be body. I'll be honest, man. Like, God, it sounds like I'm like hating on Brunson this post game. That sucks. I love Brunson. His defense was awful tonight. Like, just he is. There, there's game like Randall's defensive mistakes are loud because when he's like indifferent or lethargic, he's really, really good at being noticeably indifferent and lethargic. But there are a lot of, a lot of possessions 
where somebody will end up open and you'll be like, man, who was supposed to make that rotation? And a lot of times it's Brunson and you're just like, man, how did I not notice that? Like, he's just, he's not a very good defender. Um, and it's, I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if we're ready to have this conversation, but if RJ doesn't like meaningfully pick up his defense, I do think that the quickly versus RJ with Grimes and Brunson in the starting lineup conversation is actually a pretty interesting one. But oh, it always was. Oh. <laughs> what, are you saying it's easily quickly? Yes. <laughs> you know, Tyrese hates the Canadian. I do. I, I don't. I don't hate Canadians. Shout out to Canadians. Let me, let me resend my statement. We we like we like Edge and Bret Hart. Canadians are cool. But yeah, I mean, against the Pacers, I mean, this is a toss up. I mean, look at how we've been playing against like anybody these days. Like the Knicks could come out and dominate, and then like fold. They could come out and like fold early on, and then pull off a win at the end. Like. Who knows with this team anymore? They're so weird. That's like that's the best way to describe the Knicks. They're weird. They're very weird. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold prediction. I think we're gonna crush them. I, I think we. Win, so. I, I think we win by like twenty plus. I hope so. Whatever. People 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 can dunk on me all they want. We've bounced back all season long, pretty much. The only time we really didn't bounce back all se- this whole season is. After the, the, Spurs, the, the Spurs game, when we basically just laid an egg after the Mavericks game. And I feel like that's pretty understandable. No Brunson, no RJ, and you just lost one of the most devastating games you'll ever lose. I think we actually match up pretty well versus the Pacers. I think the Pacers, like, one main way of exploiting us is if Miles Turner hits a bunch of threes as, like, the stretch five. And you know what? If I'm wrong because Miles Turner god from three – that's a loss I can take. I, I, I he's been I, pretty good recently. Yeah, no, he's fine. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I just I think he's a volatile shooter. Surprisingly, he's been actually like really consistent this year. Like super surprisingly. Unfortunately. I'm 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 just I'm just preparing myself mentally so that way, like if he goes off from three, I'm just like, all right. I'm gonna be sick when I go. That that first that's like those two back to back threes in the first quarter from Miles Turner go feel like a shot to the heart. I don't I don't need that bad energy in the air, man. And I feel like you know it's gonna happen too. It's gonna be like it's gonna be the first play of the game, right? They win the tip off. Halliburton's bring the ball to the court. They run a play. Miles Turner pops up for a three. He goes in, and that's how the night starts off. And pain ensues. I, I mean. Brooke Lopez opened the game with a wide open three tonight. Exactly. Paid and suit. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't know. I just think I think we're better. I think we're a better team. I think they're a better team, but I just think that a game like that, especially because like you got a tired legs too, like we gotta win. Yeah. Plus plus the Pacers are coming up two days of rest while we only have one. Well, yeah. I mean, it's good that we're at home. Well, uh, I don't know, actually. Yeah. We, we kind of stink at home. We're 10 and 11 at home, so, you know. Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you guys think the spread opens at? Uh, plus, I want to say the next plus three and a half. You mean like, my, you mean minus, right? Like, will we favor? Yeah, we, we'll be favor. Oh, yeah, 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 minus. I bet. I <laughs> See, I would have assumed like five and a half at least, like five and a half, six, but. Nah. What was the spread for tonight? 
It was Knicks minus one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, if we're I, one think, I think we're favored in all of our next like six. Our next six. Our next five games now. Don't yeah. say that because I'm saying for one point favorites against the Bucks, I, I don't think Vegas views the Pacers as only two to three points worse than the Bucks. But. Yeah, they're definitely going to be a bit, bit more higher on them. But you never know. I mean, like Terry said, where it's it's a different rest situation and they yeah, is weird sometimes. So. Um, last time, last time it was um, one and a half in favor of the um the Pacers. So, but it was in Indiana. It was in Indiana. Where are we? Where are we on our win streak though? Too. Uh yeah, we were on the win streak too. The Knicks were one and a half point favorites in Indiana. No. Uh. The Pacers were one and a half point favorites in Indiana. Okay, so home court's usually worth three to four points in the NBA. So if you swing it six points the other way, that that means it's going to be like four and a half, five. JL says, being top ten in offense and defense yet being in playing territory is only something this stupid team could do. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're, you know what? That's something I want to look up. Because every Tibbs team, I, I did a – when I wrote the uh, – I wrote an article about Tibbs this preseason. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I found is that every Tibbs team underachieves based on Pythag. They always underachieve because they lose close games. And so, like, when you look at net rating, you look at point differential, all the, like, expectation rank- ratings always have Tibbs teams high. And then their actual win-loss record is worse. Let's see what we got so far. Let's see if we're overachieving or underachieving. Word. Pythag expects us to be 24 and 16 right now. <laughs> Underachieving. So we're two games under our expectation right now. Yep, you do. And I bet, I bet, and that's not even including tonight because it's 24 and 16 and 22 and 18, but we're 22 and 19. So I bet it moves, I bet it moves the other way because can't imagine they expected us to lose this game. God damn. What a shitty game, man. How did like, what a terrible game. Yep. All right. I think we should call it. <laughs> Before we exactly. lose our mind. TV to watch, man. <laughs> Any further. Yeah, I'm going to try to catch up on some loss before the night ends. <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out to everyone that, you know, stuck with us through all this misery tonight. Um, You know. If the Knicks just, you know, close out this game, we're talking about a five-game win streak, and the stream is much happier today. Think about that. But anyways, we'll be back on Wednesday after the game versus the Pacers. Shout out to everyone that tuned in. Make sure you check out the everything Stricken-related in the description. We got links to the Patreon, merch, site, and Twitter, all great ways to support us. We are also on Instagram at – what is it? At the Strick.land. We are also – um is there anything else i need to do oh yes we are on our way to 1k subs so make sure you guys leave us a like and subscribe it definitely helps us out um you know with all that youtube algorithm nonsense so you know help us out there um and peace out everyone have a good night and enjoy the day tomorrow with no nicks basketball to torment you Our house is a mess. Come on.
Moonin. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge? It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.